Uh, you can grab your seats. It's great to be gathered together this morning. Riley Turner is like a ninja. He's everywhere this morning. I don't even know how he got here, but he did. We're going we're gonna to have a look in the, the Word of God today, and we're going we're gonna to look at what it looks like to have a move of God in our lives. That, you know, I think about my life, I always want to see God kind of doing something. I feel like life is its most exciting. Uh, I feel like I have the most purpose. I feel like, uh, you know, life is on the right track when there is a move of God in my life. Uh, and always kind of wanting to be looking and seeking and searching for a move of God. And that's not necessarily like this great, huge, big moment. But what does it look like for us to see God kind of move through our lives? I think it's something that we all want as followers of God. You know, we, we know that, that Jesus came, that, that He's here, that He gave His life for us, that there is salvation in Jesus, which is incredible. But it doesn't kind of end there, does it? It's not a one-time kind of, Jesus saved us moment, and then we kind of just chill out and wait. But the idea of being a follower of Christ is that it would be dynamic. That as we, we learn about Him, as we, we allow Him to, to work through our lives, that we would see moves of God through him at work in us. So not about us as people, not great things that we could do, but what does it genuinely look like in different spheres of our life uh, for, for there to be a move of God? And so we're going to have a look at uh, two kings today. There's a, there's a character there called Naaman. I don't know, has anyone heard of Naaman before? Anyone kind of read two kings? Maybe turn to the person next to you, you can, you can say the word Naaman. It's a bit of a funny one. I got to say it a few times. Say, so help me out. Naaman. That's good. And uh, he, his story, Naaman, is, is located in two kings chapter five. And we're going to learn a few things about Naaman. Naaman has this uh, great work of God happen in his life. He, 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 he's, he's kind of on his journey and we're going to read about that. But what I love is that we see through the humanness of Naaman, we see a great move of God happen through his life as he kind of goes on this little bit of a journey. So there's a few verses here we're going to read. We're, going to, we're actually going to read 15 verses. So you might have to brace yourself. Sometimes we only read like three or four at a time, but like we're just going to go the whole story. I, I, I don't know, I don't like being like left hanging. Like, I don't know if anyone else is like that. Like, oh, what happens at the end of the story? I know you're just going to think about that. So I'm just going to tell you kind of what happens at the end of the story. And then we're going to unpack that a little bit. There's no like twist at the end or like weird alternative ending that might leave you a bit shocked today. But in fact, we'll read the story and, and then we're just going to unpack a few keys. Uh, in fact, four keys that we kind of see uh, through this story of Naaman that I think help us in the day to day to go, how do we see a move of God in our lives? And what are some things that we might have to avoid? What are some things that we might have to do uh, as people to allow Him to, to move through our lives? Does that sound okay this morning? Sound good? Excellent. There's a little bit of like, this pocket here was good. See, I told you, Riley's like a literal ninja. Like, he's now he's here. Like, he's just everywhere today. It's awesome. Okay, 2 Kings 5, 1 to 15. It says this. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. Because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, the Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go and see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you and take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started carrying as gifts of 750 pounds of silver. That's a lot of silver. 150 pounds of gold. I wish I could just have that. And 10 sets of clothing. I've got 10 sets of clothing. That's less impressive. 
The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay. Maybe that's why he sent 10 sets and said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Real weird. You know, like if someone brought me 150 like, pounds of gold, I wouldn't assume that was picking a fight. I'd be stoked. But this guy, a bit crazy. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent a message to him saying, why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. How good is that like picture of like stalking away? I don't even know what that means, but clearly he's angry and he's like, I would have used stormed off, but stalked away. Shouldn't have done that because now I've lost my spot. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of his Lord God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, Abana and Fafa better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away in a rage. Are we going okay? Awesome. Verse 13 says this, but his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became healthy as the skin of a young child and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, now I know there is no God in the whole world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. We can all take a breath. I'm going to have a drink. I love this story. I love this, this picture of a mighty warrior doing great things. So much favor from the king because of all the, the great things that God has, has kind of blessed him with and, and put favor in his place. He gets sick and then immediately he's in kind of despair. And, and, and someone gives him some advice and goes, you need to go see this, this prophet. Go, go to this place. Yet he has so much favor of his life, the king's like, man, I need this guy, so take, all, take a bunch of wealth, and I'll write you a letter. That's a big deal. I'm sending you to this guy saying, basically, if you can fix this guy, fix him. And so Naaman goes on his way as we read, and he goes there, and he goes to the king, he finds the prophet. And the prophet says, if you just go, doesn't even come and see him, but he basically goes, just go wash, and God will do a work in your life, and you'll be healed. But that's not, like Naaman doesn't respond like happily, like, oh, if I just go wash in the water, I'll. He gets caught up to begin with straight out on, I'm a person of influence. Why didn't this guy come talk to me? And what we see straight away is that Naaman's pride immediately gets in the way of what God is trying to do in his life. See, Elisha, he was expecting Elisha would come out, as we read in those verses, he would come out and what, wave his hand over him. There'd be this big ceremony this big uh, moment fit for a mighty warrior, sent by the king with all this wealth, an important person. But Elisha doesn't go out and even say hi to him. Doesn't even open the door, doesn't greet him. Elisha just sends a servant out and goes, hey, go tell him this. And immediately pride becomes a stumbling block to a move of God in Naaman's life. 
In fact, he's not even disappointed about it. It says he's rageful <laughs> that Elisha wouldn't even come out and greet him. And I think the first thing that we can learn from this story is that if we want to see a move of God in our lives, we need to be humble. The reality is in our life, I believe pride can kind of start in the small things and then carry into the big things. But like all things, it starts kind of small, doesn't it? And I was thinking of some things in my life sometimes that, that you know, cause me like a lack of humility sometimes, maybe cause me to like stalk away in anger, however that looks. And one of those ones is like, if I'm in the line somewhere to kind of buy something and someone like cuts in front of me, like immediately, like I get rageful. <laughs> I'm like, hey, and the girl like goes, I'm gonna sell that loaf of bread to them before you. But I'm like, I was here first. Like I'm waiting. I got a two-year-old running around. Can't you see that? This guy is in like his early 20s. He cuts in front of me, doesn't acknowledge my presence. They go, who was next? And he has the audacity to go, yep, me. And she serves him. And I get angry, if I'm honest, like real angry. Sometimes I'll leave the store and go, I'm not buying my bread from you today. I'm going to another bakery. And I cost myself another 15 minutes because I was angry at the poor girl who just didn't see I was there. Think about this one today. When you came into church today, was someone else's car in your car bay? <laughs> hey, that's where I normally park. And then you've double parked them. No, but... Or you came in and someone's sitting in your usual seat today. Hey, I always sit in the very back corner. What are you doing there? And then there's vacancies at the front. You could have sat there. But no, that's my regular seat. Or this is my favorite. When you go somewhere and you try and log on to somebody else's wireless internet and it's slow. <laughs> and you're like, hey, don't you have any better internet? Are you paying for that? And then you get angry because you've got to sign on to your own 3G or 4G network because their internet's too slow. Now, that we laugh, I'm, and clearly all of us have like laughed at one of these, and let me tell you why, because one of those was you. All of them were me, but one of them was you. Maybe more. You know what, sometimes that can be, and look, sometimes in life things are nice, but you know what, sometimes those little things are signs of pride in your life. You go, hey, I'm more important than that guy that pushed in front of me. I don't know his story. I don't even know. He probably just didn't even see me. Maybe he was in a real hurry to get some bread home. And I just need to chill out. But you know what? That's kind of small things. They're small deals. Naaman is going through one of the biggest challenges of his entire life. He has leprosy. In that time, that is no good for your life. You're a mighty warrior. You're, you're nothing now. Like you won't even be recognized. You, you're not allowed to even mingle in society anymore. So he's gone from the highest place to like nowhere if this doesn't get sorted. And he gets caught up on whether someone comes and greets him and gives him the ceremony that he deserves. See, that's playing out in a big space. But I guarantee you where that played out was somewhere a lot lower down the rung in his life. Maybe just slow wireless internet. Maybe just thinking slightly better of himself than he ought. Maybe just viewing himself as more important than somebody else. Immediately he thinks he's more important than Elisha because Elisha should have come to him because of who he was. But maybe if he was thinking about who Elisha was and the importance of what he was doing, maybe he would understand why. I don't know. But here's what I know is, if we want to see a move of God through our lives, it'll take humility. We need to look and go, oh, actually, I need to humble myself before God. I need to realize that actually what's going on here is not about me, but it's about God. And this isn't just like, oh, I'm sick and I, I need healing today. This is anything where we want to see God move through our lives. We need to be open to what he would say and what he would do 
to allow that will of God. Is that all right? Uh, be humble. Turn to the person next to you and say, be humble. Some people are referencing something maybe they shouldn't. That's all right. The, the next one here that we see that kind of becomes a little bit of a stumbling block for Naaman. We'll, we'll have a couple of stumbling blocks and we'll look at a couple other things. Is his own personal preferences. See, I, lo- I love this bit here. When he's looking at the water, he's like, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, the, the Farfa, I don't even know how to say that, I'm going to call it the Farlap, better than any of these other rivers in Israel. Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away in a rage. Naaman's personal preferences almost caused him to miss what God was trying to do. Now, I kind of resonate in this space like with him a little bit. Like, if, if it was me and, and it was like, you could go and dip in Mullaloo Beach, which I did yesterday, it was awesome. How good is this weather? You could go to Mullaloo Beach in the nice, pristine, blue, salty, clean water. Go do that seven times and be healed. Or go down to kind of Lake Joondalup, you know, where that, that big bush area is. Walk down there and dip in that water. I don't know if you've been out on that jetty lately at Mawson Park. That water is not very clean. Like, it is gross. And if you were like dipping there, I'm like, am I going to catch something else while I'm like dipping in there? Like, couldn't I just go? But you see, he has this picture again where he's got his own personal preferences, what he thinks is better. And then there's this opportunity for a move of God in his life. He's like, nah, personally, I think this way would be better, wouldn't it? And isn't that so often the case in life sometimes where we're walking on this journey, there's an opportunity for God to do something. You go, oh, I don't know if that's how God like, would do it. Certainly sure that's not how I would do it. So I would do it this way. And we can miss exactly what God is trying to, trying to get us to do in the first place. See, actually it was about the, the submission and about the washing and about the, the action and the, the obedience. But he's gone, oh no, like why would anyone wash in that water? That's gross. There's heaps cleaner water around. I'd much rather do it that way. Sometimes God's like, you're going to have to kind of go through this bit. You're going to have to start down here. You're going to have to humble yourself and walk through this. And we go, oh, personally, God, don't you think it would just be better if we did it this way? I'm going to try that. Then we try that and it never works out for us. Then we become kind of a bit resentful. Or we miss it. Or we go, or if you're anything like me, you kind of end up back like this way going, yeah, right. That just like took five years longer than it should have because I tried it over here. When I should have just been over here. See, we have this picture sometimes of God that puts him in this box of like, I know how God works. He does things like this. And it looks exactly like that, and that's how I want it to look, and that's the, the Jesus of the picture that I've painted. That's, that's my view of, of Jesus. That's how I understand him to be. And then sometimes something will kind of challenge that and go, actually, no, that's like a personal preference over here. What I'm calling you to is over here. And you've got to be willing to go, is that my own personal kind of preference there? Do I need to just lay that to one side? Do I need to just leave that and kind of do it this way? Obviously, there's things that we have that are convictions for us. I'm not kind of talking about those today. But definitely talking about the fact that sometimes we see what we want to see. But what we need to see is what God sees. What we need to see is what He's speaking to. And He had it clearly laid out so far in front of Him here. This is what you need to go and do. And personal preference almost robbed that from Him. We need to make sure our personal preferences aren't what get in the way of what Jesus is trying to do in and through us. Is that all right? This next one I I love. This is one of my favorites. This is actually the thing that pretty much saves the day for Naaman. 
is this idea of what I've called of real talk. You know, the reality is he almost missed this. He's walking away. He's rageful. He's ready to like pack up his horses, take all his stuff, go home, completely miss a miracle in his life because of those things that we just saw. But I love that one of his servants stops him and goes, hey man, come on. You're being a bit ridiculous here. This is me paraphrasing. Don't you think if he asked you to do something that was incredibly difficult, you would have gone and done it? If he asked you to do this great fancy thing, if he had to come out and met you and waved his hand over you and said, go do this incredibly hard thing, you would have had a crack at it. <coughs> if it's that easy, why don't you just go get in the water and give it a go? He's like, oh yeah, right. You know, I think about that servant. He's a servant talking to a mighty warrior, his master. And he's questioning it. And going, hey, you're being silly here. You're going to miss out on what God might do in your life. It might not work. You just bathed in some dirty water. Who cares? Have a go. Don't miss what God might do here. And what it shows to me is that for all of us, we need people in our lives that will speak truth to us, that will actually get real with us, that will actually come alongside us where we are. Yes, encourage us, but also challenge us in our walk with God. And that involves being open and honest. What we want in life and what I always want is someone who will listen to all the stuff I have to say and then kind of go, yeah, I know, you're right. Go on, good boy. You know, you should feel mad about that. Yeah, he should have come and greeted you. Yeah, you're right. Lake Junilup is really dirty. He should have told you to go somewhere else. We want people to kind of come alongside us and just encourage us. We want people who will listen. And that is so important. You know what? Sometimes we need some people to go, hey, hang on, you're missing something here. Hey, what's, what's with that little bit of attitude? Hey, what's with that bit of pride in your life? Hey, that just seems like you're going to miss out on what, why are you angry about that? You know, I've got some incredible people in my life who, who will just call me out. And you know what? It is not fun. Like being called out by anyone is not enjoyable, is it? Does anyone love like being called out on something? Like anyone? Because if, if there's a hand, seriously, I'd love to come hang out with you. And allow you to teach me on how, like, how it could feel good to be corrected by someone. You know what? In that moment, Naaman's being corrected by someone in a literal sense, in a, in a hierarchical sense that is lower than him. Now, I'm not getting into that kind of with us with people like, oh, that friend's lower than me. But the reality is that guy actually took a risk speaking out and going, hey. Because Naaman was already angry and could have turned all his rage on him. But because he cared for his master, because he cared for Naaman, he had the guts to kind of speak up and say, hey man, come on, just give it a go. And because we've read the whole story, this is why this was handy, we know that he went and did it. And there was a healing in his life and he has this great encounter with God. And Naaman owes that to that servant. You know what, he owes it to the other servant in his house as well that said, hey, have you heard about this prophet? You can see that there's this great advice in his life. And I love that he had the humility to actually listen to that and go and do it. So my challenge today for you is this, is do you have people in your life that would be honest enough to speak into your life? <clears throat> More than that, are you, have you given people permission to be honest enough with you to say, hey man, come on, let's get back to this. Remember a little while ago, I just, I'd done something like kind of just ridiculous and I felt like I was okay to do that. Like probably a little bit of pride, like I was all right to say that. Someone came alongside me and they're like, hey man, like, why'd you do that? I was like, oh, I don't know, like, and here's all the reasons why I did it, you know. It was a real small thing. 
because they're like, that's just really, like, that's, that's not who you want to be, and that's not who you are. You, you shouldn't have done that. Like, don't do, and they're basically like, don't do that again. And I was like, at the time, I was like a bit mad. I was like, hey, I was just coming to hang out. That was rough. And then I just kind of wanted them to, like, make me feel good about what I'd done. Like, yeah, you're right. You, like, you have the right to do that. So I was like, I felt real bad about it. I went home. I, like, <coughs> didn't sleep. And I went back, and I kind of, like, apologized to some people, you know, for, for kind of the things I'd done there. And I went back, and I thought, I'm going to go back and tell that person. It's like, hey, you know, because you, like, gave me a serve, I, I, I went and did this. And they're like, when did I tell you that? <laughs> like, I didn't even realize. And I was like, oh, you told me that I was silly for, so I went back, and they're like, oh, okay, cool, like, good on you. But for me, obviously, that was a really big deal. For them, they just felt like they obviously had the place to be as honest with me as they wanted to. And if we really want to see God move in our lives, I think about the times where I've really been able to take another step forward or make a good decision. It's always involved someone else. But there's two parts to that. One, it's the courage to allow people to do it, to give them permission and ask them to do it. The other one is to be the kind of person that would speak lovingly and truthfully into someone else's life. See, it's real easy to kind of see the problem in other people's world and be like, hey man, you know what's wrong with you? That's not what people need. The servant didn't be like, Naaman, you know what your problem is, mate? He's like, yo, you know, he didn't do that. But he came alongside him and spoke into his life and allowed him to move again. You know, in, in our church, we do this thing called journey groups. You know why we do that? Because connect groups are awesome, but they're big. <coughs> I have a connect group. I love it. I love hanging out. But let's be honest, it gets so big, it becomes hard to kind of be able to speak deep truths into each other's lives all the time. But yet when you get together with two or three people and you say, hey, let's do this journey together. Can you call some stuff out on me when you see it? And I'll do the same for you and we'll, we'll walk together. You know, I have a couple of close friends I'll just have coffee with and they'll be like, I just want to have coffee and have a good time. And they're like, hey, let's get down to the crux of it. What's going on in your world? I'm like, oh, okay, I'll get down to it. But you know, I never leave kind of going, wish I didn't have that conversation. That was a waste of time. I always leave afterwards going, oh man, I got some stuff to do today. Sometimes I leave feeling really encouraged going, yes, God, I can see where you're moving in my life. But I never walk away kind of regretting that time going, geez, I wish I never like engaged in that conversation. That was rough. Doesn't always feel nice at the time. But you know what? It'll take you forward in your faith. It'll help you to highlight areas where God wants to work on your life. I'd encourage you as you leave here today, be thinking, is there anyone in my world that would be honest enough to tell me what they really think? That can see my life deep enough, that I'm open and honest with. That they won't just give me a pat on the back and listen. But they'll genuinely encourage me and challenge me in the things that they see in my life. And if you don't have that, my encouragement would be, go find someone that can do that. Because it's not a conversation that you'll regret. It's not a conversation that's a waste of time. It'll be a conversation that'll help propel you in your faith. That's real talk. And the last one is this. <coughs> is that consistency is key. See, I love that in this, he doesn't go, just go jump in the water. For the purposes of us today, let's just go jump in Lake Joomla, jump out, grab a towel, and you'll be healed. He actually says, you have to go and do it seven times. <coughs> and I actually physically thought about that. Like, he's got to walk up. He's, like, got to get in the water. He's got to, like, says dip himself. So he's got to, got to like, wash himself and get out, go back, get in, get out. He's got his whole entourage with him. He has to do it seven times. Now, he doesn't know until the seventh time if it's actually going to work. Like, he's already angry about it. He's been corrected by his servant. And he goes and does it. And I think about that and I go, what happens if he gives up on like two or three? What happens if he gives up at number five? 
What happens if he's like, this water, seriously, it's gross. It's like Hillary's marina. It's no good. There's diesel everywhere. It's gross. I don't like boats. What if he's just like, that's it, I've had enough, this is ridiculous. And he walks away. What if he walked away on six? There's some huge stakes there, isn't there? He had to get the seven. He had to get the seven. He had to do it again and again and again. You know, sometimes we like Naaman, we just want that one big fix, that one big move, that one powerful moment, that one encounter with God where we go, bang, that's it, I'm good for 12 months. Came in on Sunday, it was awesome, I'm good for another week. Oh, that was great, I got, something went wrong, I turned straight to God, He fixed it for me, I'm out. Or sometimes we don't even get that far and we just like, we're grumpy and we walk away because it's not going how we want it to. He had to do it seven times. And I think about in our lives and our faith, and I think about that consistency and that simplicity and that obedience. That is what is required of us if we want to see God move through our lives. I'm going to invite the the team to to come back up and we're going to sing another song in a moment. But I just wanted to kind of finish with this this one story from my life that that kind of where I found this to, to be exceptionally helpful. And I'd, I'd just kind of left school, so a long time ago, uh, and kind of thought I had my whole life figured out. So I'm 16 years old, right? I got my whole life figured out. Realized I didn't need school. That was awesome. Going to go, I'm going to be an electrician. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an electrician. I'm going to get an apprenticeship. I got an apprenticeship. I'm like, this is all worked out. I'm going to do my apprenticeship. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to take over the electrical world. It's going to be awesome. 16 years old. I don't need anything else. And then I went kind of to this conference, and I hadn't been a Christian very long. I kind of had just kind of started learning about God and his plan for my life. And I felt him talk to me and say, I, 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 want, you to, I want you to actually be a youth pastor. And I kind of like naming in that moment. It's like, nope, that's not my preference. I'm going to do this. I'm like, who would even employ me as a youth pastor? That's ridiculous. Have you seen the fruit of my life? It's, it, it, it's, it's not there. And I kind of felt God say, well, that's not going to happen straight away. But here's one direct thing I want you to do. Don't take that job. I've never kind of ever really vividly felt like God has spoken to me as heavily as this any time in my life till now, which is kind of disappointing because I was 16 then, I'm like 33 now, but God still speaks to me. But I, I think I just needed a bit louder in that moment. And I was like, okay, so what do I do? So I don't take that job, what do I do? He's like, I want you to just give up Fridays, every Friday, until I kind of tell you otherwise, don't do anything else on a Friday but help your youth pastor. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, that is ridiculous. So I'm like, okay. It's like, God, if you're real, I'll, I'll do that. So I go home, hey mom, guess what? <laughs> Tore up my apprenticeship today. And I love my mom, she loves Jesus. She's like, why would you do that? I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna hang out at church on Fridays. That's my, my master plan for life. I just felt like that's what God said to me. And she's like, boy, you'll get a job. I'm like, okay. So I get a job, but I'm like, I can't work Fridays. I can't work Fridays. And they're like, oh, that's all right. You can just work every other day. Cool. So I have this job and I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm like setting up chairs. And like a year comes, I'm like still setting up chairs. Two years comes, I'm like, I'm still setting up chairs. I'm like, can I do something else? I'm like, God, surely I'm like, I've grown beyond kind of setting up chairs. Immediately, you need to set up chairs for a bit longer. <laughs> Humility. Cool. Picking up kids. Bringing them to youth. So every week, just picking up a kid, picking up a kid, trying to fill my car, picking it up. Just doing what my youth pastor's asking me to do. Packing up, setting up, packing up. Go to this opportunity where I get to have a promotion in my job. I go for the interview and they're like, okay, so this is the job. I'm like, yeah, that's really great, but I can't work Fridays. They're like, what do you mean you can't work Fridays? I'm like, can't work Fridays. Can't work Friday, can't work Friday night. And while I'm at it, I don't want to work Sunday. They're like, they're like, there's 14 other people outside that want this job and you won't work Fridays and probably not Sundays. I'm like, that's the deal. 
Now it's probably a little bit of like a, an arrogant kid, but I'm like, that's just the deal. And like, why would you give that to? Why would we give that to you? And I'm like, I don't know. I wouldn't give it to me either. But I promise you, I'll work hard every minute I'm here. But I just won't work Fridays or Friday nights. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because I help my church. That's just that's the deal. Take a kind of take or leave it. Interview over. We kind of left. I'm like, I got no chance getting this job. But I'm like, I really need it. It'll pay good. I got the job. I'm like, this is awesome. Start doing the job. I realize it's exactly not what I really want to do. I'm like, God, I actually want to be a youth pastor now. Like, the transition has gone from you telling me to this is what I want. And I just kept kind of doing it and doing it. I got to this point one day where I'm like, I just, like, I'm not sure about this anymore. And I'm like, I actually quit that kind of job. And I'm like, God, you got, kind of just got to come. And the whole way, there was all these opportunities to make these decisions. And I'm like, it just kept coming back to this one thing, like every week, just help out on a Friday. And what I discovered was by the time it became time for me to be able to actually like come on staff and, and help with our youth ministry, I actually knew how to run a youth ministry. Because strategically every Friday, I'd kind of just rocked up and, and done youth all day and different facets and different parts. And, and what I learned is through that time, time after time, God was doing stuff in my character. My youth pastors were able to teach me. I was learning. I was trying different things. I really knew how to set up chairs good. You know, I knew how to kind of, I knew it was important to pick up kids. I understood the value of a phone call. All of that kind of before I'd ever been given a microphone to preach, actually, thankfully that came last. And so it should have probably would have said many things I shouldn't have, somewhat like I might have today. But the truth is, consistency, day in, day out, week in, week out, just doing that same thing, not giving up at one, not giving up at five, not giving up at six, not giving up at seven. And the reason why I tell that story is because there's nothing incredible about me kind of doing that. Like a bunch of other people did that too. But it was actually what God was able to do in my life. It was actually preparing me and setting them up for what He wanted to do through my life. And had I not done that, I guarantee you, God would never have been able to work me to that place because there was so much work that He had to do. Like, I feel so sorry for those that led me in the early days of church. But because they did that, and because I was able to just kind of go, oh, well, I'll just wash again. I'll just, I'll just do it again. I'll just, I'll just do it again. No, I don't feel like doing that today. Oh, I just need to do it again. Every time a decision came to go, this is going to cause you to give that up, I was like, the only thing I was holding on to was the fact that God said, do this incredibly simple thing that like every single week. And God was able to work in my life to a place where the dream that He gave me at 16 years old didn't happen for years and years and years. But He was working through me that whole time through consistency. And when we think about our faith and when we think about wanting God to move through our lives, we think about we want this great move of God to happen. It really does start in the simple, consistent things of our faith. Just one step at a time, not giving up. One step at a time, not giving up. One step at a time, not giving up. We need to be humble. We need to have people talking into our lives. We need to make sure that it doesn't always look how we want it to look, because we'll miss that. If it looked how I wanted it to look through those years, it would have been very, very different. But I would have missed what God had for me. The one thing I learned through that thing is that God knows what He is doing. And He asks us to do the simple things over and over and over again because He's doing something in us so that He can do something through us. And today as I think about our church and I think about followers of Christ and I think about what does it mean to see a move of God through our lives, it's these things. And almost all of it involves kind of laying our own agenda aside and picking up God's agenda for our life and just one step at a time walking it through. 
And today, I, I don't know your journey. I don't know uh, where, you, where you're at in your life. I don't know where you're, you're at in your faith. But I, I know this, that God wants to do something through your life. That over and over again, He wants to see moves of God through your life. Some of them are going to be big and, and significant and great. And some of them are going to kind of be a little bit smaller. And what we don't perceive as significant, but all of it will be significant. Sometimes He's going to want to do things in your life that are for you. Sometimes He's going to want to do things in your life that are for someone else. But the one thing I know is, as we read this story and we look at it from Naaman, there's a few things we have to put to one side and there's a few things that we kind of have to pick up. We have to pick up humility. We have to pick up people around us that are going to, we have to bring people in around us that are going to be able to speak into our lives. We need to have consistency day in and day out. And as we do those things, it takes the focus off us and it allows Him to work through us. So my encouragement today is out of these things, if there's something in your life you know what, out of this, I, I can see where this needs to change. I'd encourage you as you leave here today to put something in place to help with that. You know, pride is a, is a problem for you. Get someone around you that will point that out, that will help you kind of be humble. If you're struggling with consistency, find those basic things that are going to help you take another step and just keep doing them over and over and over again. Allow God to reshape your thinking about how He would work through you. Go, God, what does what your preferences for my life look like? And I'll put mine to one side. And I believe as we spend some time in worship now, as we spend some time singing this great declaration of God, that He is the cornerstone of our lives. I believe that He'll speak to you. My prayer would be that He would kind of remove all the other stuff I've said, because there was a lot of it, and that He would pinpoint on you what that one thing is for you, what those two things are for you today, where He can be at work at your life, you can leave here knowing that He wants to move through you. Can we stand? I'd love to pray for us. We're going to sing this song. And as we sing it, I just encourage you to, to, to press into His presence today. Don't just let this be a moment that kind of passes and then just goes away and is gone. Because we've got a great opportunity here today just to press into His presence, to allow Him to work through us. And as, he does, as we do that, I believe as we open ourselves up to Him, He will speak and kind of move through us as well. Let me pray. God, I thank You.